Good morning, everyone. My name is Alana. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and with me this morning is Ryan Morrison. Ryan and his wife, Sharla, and their family are newer to New Life Church. They've been here a few months now. If you got a coffee this morning, he probably made it for you, so... Hopefully it was good. Maybe. <laughs> um, Ryan's going to help me do the three-ish things this morning. These are the things we think are um, important for you to know this week and coming up. So first of all, jumping right in, our AGM is coming up September 26th. As you know, that's a Monday evening here at the church at 7 p.m. Our annual report is ready. There are some printed copies at the info desk, but I really do invite you as we try to reduce our printing costs um, to use the digital version. It was emailed out Friday evening and I am getting working on getting that link to the website. Uh, it'll be available there in the next 24 hours. Um, but there are printed copies, and yes, I know there's a problem with the page numbers. Don't worry, we'll be fine. We'll get it sorted out. Um, but yeah, that's coming up um, on September 26th. Ryan's going to tell us about number two. We have a partnership with Food for the Hungry. And when Ryan first, uh, when they came here and he heard about it, he was really excited. He said, hey, how can I help? So I'm going to pass it to you and you can talk about that. Sure. Yeah, I was really excited to see the partnership that uh, New Life has with FH. Um, excited that we have a uh, conference coming up in just a couple weeks, uh, the FH Flourishing Conference. And... Um, through that, my just being part of this over the last couple of years, my understanding of poverty has expanded beyond sort of international relief. And I start to understand now that it includes struggles that our friends and family are having in ourselves. And sometimes people get stuck, and we have the opportunity to come alongside them, uncover their God-given value, change how they see themselves and their place in the world. And um, so it's exciting. In a couple of weeks, we have the opportunity to join together as a church community, to learn from experts from all over the world that FH is going to bring in via video to us and, uh, and have those conversations about how to walk alongside people in poverty in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And when is the conference? Um, October 1st. <laughs> Great. That's October 1st here at the church. It's just four hours. We'll have lunch together in between. And we want to just show you a really short um, video about that conference. So that is October 1st. You can sign up on our website, newlifechurch.ca slash events. Um, we won't just be watching videos. We'll be engaging in conversation together as well um, and in the things that we're learning. And so we really hope to see you there.
Number three, last things uh, for the moms. Our Moms Connect group is starting up this Wednesday. Uh, they meet the first and third Wednesday of every month uh, from 9.30 to 11 here at the church. Um, they are looking for some help with childcare, uh, specifically on the first Wednesdays, and um, it does take a special, special person that loves to hang out with the babies and the, the toddlers for that um, for those couple of hours. But if that sounds like something you could help with, please come and find me and we'll, uh, we'll see if that would be a good fit for you. Those are our three-ish things. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Well, good, good morning. Uh, all right. Maybe we put you to sleep with the three-ish things. Good morning. Good morning. All right. That is fantastic. Um, well, one thing that we have been doing over the summer, um, we've been doing community stories for quite a while, but one thing that we have been doing is we've been connecting, hopefully wanting to connect you with our staff and kind of uh, ask some questions of our staff and who are they, what are they about, what do they do, and what are their responsibilities. And so today, it's Jesse's turn. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jesse, when you're up here earlier, I'm thinking, you're already you're already doing it, right? But, but, because um, we went over what we're going to ask, and uh, that's, that's great. So that one's already answered. We can just... No, we're going to go back to that. Uh, so here's the first thing. What, the first thing I have is, what are the, the three must-knows about Jesse? So some of you, um, you've been here for how long, Jesse? Four years. Four years. And so many people know you. They know you've taken care of their kids, but maybe what are some things that they must know? Okay. Uh, one, obviously, well, hopefully, obviously, I love Jesus. Um, for me, part of what that looks like is that I also really enjoy reading and studying. Um, I like to kind of get into, you know, original language context, like the historical context, um, but then also taking what I learn, what I read, what I study, how do I apply that to today? How do I apply that to me? Um, so that I can be going out and loving others and serving in a, in a very practical, tangible way um, that, you know, people are seeing the transformational work that God is doing in me and then they're seeing it in how I live my life. Um, the last song that we did, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, that's something that I uh, really hold on to. I've told people before when they <laughs> say, you know, different things that they like about me, I kind of chuckle because I feel, oh, <laughs> Those are actually things that aren't about me at all. Me as a person, not so great, um, but those reflections of God, of how he's created me in his image and how he's continuing to develop me and grow me, those are the things that I think reflect and that I hope reflect and I have a lot of different areas that I'm working on so that there's still more reflection of Christ than more of me or and less of me. Um, another thing, um, I would say I'm an open book, but with the caveat that you have to turn the page. So I'm not necessarily going to volunteer all information. I think every story needs to be told, but not every, but every story needs to be told at any given time. So I'm going to, you know, build on relationship. And anybody, really, you can ask me any question you want, um, but I'll, I'll give the warning that you need to be prepared for any answer, too. Um, and then finally, I really like to have, I like to tell people, my door is always open. So whether that's, 
in my office, my home, my fridge. Um, I really like to connect with people, get to know people, share stories, listen to stories, and hopefully get the honor of walking alongside people. Um, and if food is involved, that's great too. <laughs> Super. Uh, so your primary role here at, uh, at the church is to be the Kids' Zone director. And um, you've, you've shared, this is where you've already kind of shared a little bit of your answer, but what is your passion or vision for Kids' Zone? <laughs> um, the passion and vision go together of uh, seeing kids meet Jesus and, and want to walk with him um, to learn more about him. That when we say that when kids come into Kids Zone, our desire is that they're seeing a glimpse of Jesus through their leaders, through the stories they're told. Um, but one thing that we focus on, yes, it happens on a Sunday morning. Um, a, a natural byproduct is that hopefully parents are able to sit in here knowing that the kids are safe and you guys are getting spiritually fed um, without maybe a distraction or whatnot. Um, but there's more to it. We want to make sure that there's meat for the kids too. And then we also really want to make sure that we're resourcing families. So it's not just about what happens here. Um, if, if there are books or resources or any way that we can help you at home, we want to be doing that too. Super. Um, and I think it's very evident this passion you have in that area. And we appreciate that. You've also taken on a new role as you've come back from some time off, and that is... Three-month get... vacation, really. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I want your vacations. <laughs> For those who don't know, I was on medical leave, so... Yes. Less of a vacation. <laughs> uh, and so th you are giving some legs to our In, For, and With initiative, and so maybe you could flesh that out a little bit and, and give us a refresher of, of what that is all about. Perfect. I would love to. This is something that I am really passionate about as well. As you know, Scott, we've had lots of conversation. Um, in, for, and with. Uh, what, what is it? Really, we're, we're breaking it down and looking. You know, we, we live and we meet here in the Cowichan Valley. So, in is really a geographical thing. Where are we? Where do we work? Where do we play? Um, who are we connecting with? Those around us who are our neighbors. Um, for, we're looking at... Um, sharing Christ's love for the people in the Cowichan Valley. Um, and then with is, is doing life together, really getting into the nitty gritty of life, getting to know people, walking alongside. Um, this is going to be our practical way of how we're showing God's love for the people by doing life with them. Um, to me, it brings a bit more dignity. We're not just... Um, we're not just throwing money or charity or anything at people, but staying at a distance and saying, you know, God loves you here. We can help you out this way. Um, we're, we're putting our boots on and we're actually doing it. And we're, we're walking alongside. We're, we're helping people um, build in their community. We're helping connect people with resources around town, whether that be, um, and this is kind of where we're going with it, um, you know, more than, there's the food bank, there's housing, helping connect people with, with jobs and that kind of thing. So it's, it's a broader, long-term game. And so we, we, we hope that in some months to come, Jesse and I will put more to that and uh, do some teaching along that lines here on a Sunday morning. So... Yeah, one of the goals with it is really, like, for my role, is finding the resources that we have around town and what we can be partnering with, whether that's parachurch or another organization, um, and then to really be 
equipping and mobilizing everybody here. I know a lot of you are already involved around town, um, but there's still, there's always gonna be more that we can do. There's always more connections. Um, when we first moved here, one of the things we found is we wanted to get involved, but we just had no idea where even to start other than here with New Life. And so the goal is to be able to, to mobilize people. Fantastic. Well, I have five questions to ask you. So this is rapid fire. There's no wrong answer, uh, but uh, get to know you a little bit more. Oceans or a mountain lake? Oh, mountain lake? Yeah. Uh, it's rapid I, fire. I, I, no, I, we moved to the coast so we can have ocean and mountains. That's why we moved from Edmonton. Okay, all right, great. <laughs> Uh, if you were on a deserted island, you could only choose one of these three items. What would it be? Water, fire, or rope? Is there climbing on said island? Okay. <laughs> um, if you have a song right now that is going to be on repeat on your phone, what would that song be? Andrew. <laughs> I don't know. Don't know. No, I, I don't tend, I like to listen to songs lots, but I don't tend to do repeat. Okay. Pizza dinner or ribs? Ribs. Would you rather fly a kite or raft down a river? River. Okay. You Thank you very much, Jesse. <laughs> okay, uh, everyone, if you have a watch on, um, or you have your phone, please take a look at the time. <laughs> um, it is uh, just after, just almost, yeah, just past quarter two. And uh, so I'm going to be very honest with you. <clears throat> uh, we're going to go a little bit longer. And if you need to get up and go, you're not going to offend me, okay? I understand that totally. Uh, so just going to let you know that's where we're heading, uh, and I will try to keep things moving along and stay to what I have written down here. Before we do, before I jump into my message, uh, <clears throat> tomorrow, as many of you know, there will be a burial for the queen. And there's opportunity um, to honor her, even in our own community. There will be a, a ceremony at the, the epitaph there, and does anyone know what time that is? 2 p.m., thank you. Um, and, uh, and Greg Summer will be leading that time um, as well. But this morning, I wanted to take some time to honor the Queen. And not so much in a moment of silence, but I want to honor her by sharing a few quotes that she had, that she has said. These are thoughts that she has had on Jesus Christ. So, the first one. Jesus Christ lived obscurely most of his life, never traveled far. He was marginalized and rejected by many, though he had not done no wrong. And yet, billions of people now follow his teaching and find him the guiding light for their lives. I am one of them. Only a few acknowledged Jesus when he was born. Now billions follow him. The message of Jesus is never out of date. 
and is needed as much as ever. And last, the teachings of Jesus have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the backbone of my faith. We may have our opinions about the monarchy, whether it's good, bad, uh, what it has done over the years. I want to put this up there this morning because I want us to recognize that for Queen Elizabeth, Jesus was real, her Lord and her Savior. And I wanted to honor her in that way. So we are in um, the process of going through a series called The Invitation to a Journey. Uh, it's not my original title. I stole it from, uh, from Robert Mulholland. And he's written a book called The Invitation to a Journey. And I hope that as we talk about this and we talk about what it means to live a life of transformation, that truly we are transformed. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? Last week, we talked about three books. And... Um, and Phil and myself and Alicia all had a book that we were recommending. So I want to tell you uh, this. I, I ordered these books. These books will be in, in the next week or so. We'll have them for sale here at the church. You cannot get a better price than what I'm getting. Mike Easton at the Christian Book and Music Store in Victoria is giving me a, a really awesome price. We'll bring in these books. I'm going to bring in Invitation to a Journey, and I'm also going to bring in a book, uh, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. So uh, I want us as a church to get in and read these books because they're good. They probably will say it much better than I can. Um, some of them are deeper, like Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart is not for the faint of heart, uh, but it is a good book. So, as we embark on, on, on understanding this invitation and journey, some of us, some of you may be saying, well, <clears throat> um, why are we focused on spiritual formation? And the answer is this. The answer for me is that without spiritual formation, we, we risk believing that the life that we're living right now, without spiritual formation, is the best there is with Christ. And it's simply not true. If we do not live a life in which we are being spiritually transformed, we are going to produce a church for which it does not have an effect of living out the kingdom of God, the good news. Without spiritual formation, and this is very important, without spiritual formation, bad behavior becomes normalized. We allow bad attitudes and actions to be justified. We risk the loss of another generation in our church walking away from God because it does not seem real, it does not seem relevant, and it does not seem relatable to the life they're living today. I am passionate about the journey of spiritual formation for us as a church. So when I talk about this, what is spiritual formation? 
simply put, in my words, these are my words, you can tell because I'm going to show you some other words and they're, they're much, much craftier than my words. So my words is that simply put, it's a process of dying to ego, of dying to self. Dallas Willard says this about spiritual formation. You're going to get tired of me talking about Dallas Willard because I'll be talking about him throughout this time. But he's so good. Christian spiritual formation rests on the indispensable foundation for death to self and cannot proceed except so in far as the foundation, that foundation is being firmly laid and sustained. In other words, what he's saying is this foundation that we're laying needs to be consistent, that we're laying down our ego, that part that wants to rise up and, and say, I am important. This, the denying the self, that when we consistently lay it down, it is formed in the image of Christ. To lay down any foundation is setting, to lay down any other foundation is setting down Christ and picking up an idol. My son, I was, we were talking about this yesterday. He phoned and, and, and uh, we were getting ready to go. I just love the in conversations. You know how they happen. So we're getting ready to go and we're saying goodbye. And uh, then we jump into spiritual conversation. And then I didn't want it to end. And we were talking about this very thing. And he says, yeah, he says, you know how the Israelites, how they set down the creator to pick up the created. When they were in the desert, they set down the creator and they picked up the golden calf. And he says, we can't do that. But when we are not conscious, when we are not putting forth the understanding that you and I need to die to self, this isn't mortification, this isn't uh, not having value. This is having value of who you are as God's created you because he created you for a purpose and a reason. But we will not know that. We will not understand the depths of that unless we're willing to set down ourselves to make sure we're picking up the creator. Last week, Alicia gave us a definition for spiritual formation that we will be using through our series. It comes from Robert Mulholland in his book, Invitation to a Journey. And it's this, spiritual formation or transformation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. And so you see, I've highlighted some words there that are important and that we will hopefully work our way through as we go through this series. But what I want us to focus on is the word process a little bit this morning. It's a process. And it stands out to me because what this means is there's no silver bullet. And I think we desire that, don't we? We want one thing. Just give me one thing, Scott. And just that it's going to be it. It's going to be it. But there is, there is not one thing which is going to work in our lives, which is going to create a permanent cure. Our approach is every day desiring to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus every day. And as we do that, we open ourselves up and we say, God, <laughs> I can't, you can. 
And I love that because it's not a passive I can't. It's an active I can. It's not like, oh, let go and let God. Okay, God, I'll just sit here and you do your thing. No, it's I'll let go, God, because I want to do your thing. I'm letting go of me so that I can grab hold of you. That's what that's all about. I'll give you another quote from Dallas Willard. I actually gave this one earlier in the summer. I'm going to come back to it. I don't have it up here. It's easy. And he says this, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Let me say it again. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Those words, effort and earning, we so easily can flip them. What I want to do is I want to go through Philippians and look at Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 11. And so we're going to try to slide our way through this uh, fairly quickly. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up. Into your, open them up. Um, I can't encourage you enough. I know that it's up here on the screen, and I put it up there because I know we have several different Bibles, that, uh, versions that we're going to use. But I, church family, can I just encourage you, if you have a Bible, a, a literal Bible, one of these, can I encourage you to, to bring it? I know you've got it on your phone. I use my phone all the time. But there's still something about this. And plus, the other thing that happens is, is that we're going to look at something, and you may get carried away with something else uh, in there, and you may not hear anything I say, but God is going to speak through you to you because you're just in God's word. But I would just encourage you, bring this paper copy. I know, I know it's so old school. It's like, you know, back in 1989. I get it, right? You're kind of wondering, okay, Scott, do you still have VHS machine at home? No, I don't. But I still have some VHSs. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I still got them. All right. <laughs> I don't have time to do these things. Okay, here we go. Paul says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. What is he talking about? If you go back in verses, the previous verses, in verses 5 to 6, you'll see that he talks about this list of who he was and how important he was, that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, that he kept the law, that he was perfect, he was spotless, he was zealous for God, he persecuted the church. And he says, these things I did. What is he saying? These things I did, I count as worthless. Why? Because it was his way of trying to earn God's grace. It was his way of trying to earn God's grace. And he keeps repeating this. We're going to see. He keeps repeating this. In verse 8, he says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the in, in infinite value of knowing Christ. He's saying everything, my ego, my ego, me, self, is worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Everything else in life. All of my education, all of my friends, all of my, my job, everything, everything is worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ. That's huge. And that's hard. But it's a mindset. And then he goes on and he says, um, because knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. He knows he has to set aside. He's got to lay down. 
himself, his ego, in order to gain Christ. And he sees it and he looks at it and he uses these words of of discarding it and garbage and worthless to help us to understand that I am not worthless, okay? He's not saying I am not, I am worthless. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that my, my effort, my, my earning, my earning, my desire to earn my significance is worthless. But my effort to know Christ is everything. Because that's where I get my self-worth. Not in what I do, not in what I have, but in Jesus Christ. Because then everything I do and everything I have comes and goes through him and out. And so he continues on. And he says, and become one with him. I, have, I, have, I, I want to gain Christ and become one with him. He wants to be formed in the image of Christ. Being one with Christ. Being formed in him. And then he says, I, I, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. So here, it's not his righteousness. It's not what he has done. It's not his earnings. But his righteousness comes through Christ. I think a better way to understand what it's saying here when it, when it talks here about righteousness through faith in Christ, as the New Living Translation has it, the better translation is righteousness, the Christ's faithful work. Christ's faithful work. It's his faithful work in us that produces the righteousness, his righteousness in us, not what we do. And God's way of making us righteous, it says, is it depends on faith. When when I'm willing to surrender self, when I'm willing to surrender my ego, that takes a lot of faith. I I am giving up. We do a lot to secure ourselves, our identity. And when I do this, I think spiritual faith is this. Spiritual faith is trusting in what we cannot control. Spiritual faith is trusting in what we cannot control. I freak out sometimes when I am handing over to God. It's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 God, wait a minute. Do you, wait, wait. Do you really know? Is this really going to work? Can I really trust this? I freak out. And then when it's happening, I'm still freaking out. It's like, whoa, this is like a free fall. I actually got a great example of this. I'm going to show you a little video. It's a guy bungee jumping. Just so you know, this guy, he's an engineer. And being an engineer, safety is everything. And so he is strapped in, he's getting put into a chair, and he is going to be tipped backwards, and he's going to bungee jump. Watch this, because I think this is a great example of what it feels like when you are in faith going, okay, God, play it. How long will it take? About 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Keep my mind busy. Can you double check, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have we time. We can. Yeah? No, we can. We could, but we're not going to. <laughs> no, no, but I'm serious. No, seriously. So yeah. I have we could, to. We could double no, check. Hold this one. We just here, choose or not this to. One, this one. Hold that one right there. Yeah. Right, we're, we're a bit behind on time, so I'm just going to take your safety off. 
Sometimes when it comes to surrendering, it's like, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, no, 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 no. And then when it happens, I'm still screaming. <sighs> Here's a great part, is what are the results? What is the result of us surrendering? And Paul says the result is this. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. What is that mighty power? That mighty power is a transformation power. It's not willpower. The you know, willpower is, is, that, is that we we have habits. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna over, I'm not gonna overeat today. Okay? I'm not gonna eat any sweets today. And you go and you try to develop a habit of not eating any sweets. John Mark Calmer says, habits eat willpower for breakfast. It's not willpower. It's God's power. That's the result. It's resting in Christ's power to do the work. Paul says, I desire to suffer. Like, who says that? Anybody want to suffer here today? I didn't think so. Some of you are suffering. Some of you are sitting here and you're literally suffering physically. But what is he saying? He's saying that he understands that when we die to self, ego suffers. It hurts. I want to hold on to me. And then he says, I want to share in his death. What death is he talking about? Is it this death on the cross? I actually think the death that he's talking about is a death of dying to self, dying to ego. If you go back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, what did Jesus say? He said that I did not account, account equality with God something to be grasped. He's saying that, that Jesus died to self. Yes, he was God, but he was human and he had to give up self. He had to lay it down and give it up. And he says, I, it's something that I, I, I want, Paul says, I want to share in that. I don't want me to be the most important thing. And then he says, I want to experience the resurrection from the dead. We will look at this as resurrection from the dead, oftentimes as what happens when, we, when, when Christ comes and we're going to be forever with him in eternity, Right? And I'm not saying that's a wrong interpretation, but I, I want us to look at it this way this morning. It's the resurrection life in Christ. It's what Paul talks about in, in, in chapter 1, in verse 21, when he says, to live is Christ. That's the resurrection life. 
Christ is not dead. He's alive. And there is power to overcome sin and darkness. Not because I have willpower, because I'm gonna, but because I'm going to live in his power. We have been raised to new life. Romans 6, chapter 1 and 2. It says, what shall I say? Shall I continue to live in sin? May it never be. How shall I who died to sin still continue in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been, who have been buried with him have been raised together in baptism? Why? So that I can live in the life, the new life that he offers. That's resurrection. He says, I want to obtain to that life what resurrection life looks like. It's not just when Christ comes back and I have eternity, because you already have eternity. If you accepted Jesus, if you know him as your Savior and Lord, today you have eternity. Amen. We do. One day we will fully realize that one day sin will be no more. But we have eternity. We have resurrection life today. Where do we start? So I want to be honest with you. I have a confession to make. <clears throat> honestly, I do. And honestly, it pains me to share it with you. Because I thought that I've moved past this, past these tendencies. So you're all wondering, what is he going to confess? Well, before I share that, I want to share something else. For far too many years, we, myself, as church leaders, have created a clean cup on the outside scenario. Yet, the inside is dirty. In Luke 11, 37 to 44, Jesus talks about the dirty cup on the outside and being clean on the outside and dirty on the inside. We preach and we teach, we counsel and we disciple the church, giving them the impression that we are clean on the inside all the time. When in reality, it's not true. How can it be true? I am like you. I am not perfect. I, like you, am on a journey. But I think this impression has come across. And this type of example gives results that we as a church, you as a congregant, you also follow that lead. You present that you are good on the outside, while in the inside, you are struggling. We are a mess. The North American church leadership, the pastors in North America, are a mess. We are hearing about more and more pastors failing in their personal lives. Leaders who abuse staff and congregates, leaders who are having affairs, and leaders who are taking their own lives. The effect on the church is enormous. We as a church have become obsessed with what we look like on the outside. We believe doing the right thing is more important than being with Jesus. How we present ourselves to fellow believers is crucial. You perhaps came in today, somebody asked you, how are you doing? And you said, fine. Or you said, good. You put a smile on your face. All the while, inside, you are dying. Now, not all of you are there. I mean, today, some of you who said you were doing good and doing fine, it's true. You are. You're doing good and you're doing fine. But the days that you're not, guess what you'll say? How are you doing? Fine. Good. 
the truth is, is that we've gone underground with our sin. Our marriages are struggling. We have kids in relationship with their parents is struggling. We are more anxious. We are more in debt. And we are more consumed with looks of how people receive us than we've ever been. Our cups look great on the outside, but they're dirty on the inside. So it is my goal as a pastor on staff here that when I'm on stage, I desire to be transparent with you. I don't believe that I need to dare to, to, to air all my dirty laundry. But when God does convict me to share, I will share. So this leads me to my confession. Lean him down. But the truth is, and I know my heart, but the reason I said that is that I was concerned that some of you would be upset at me. That you wouldn't like me. I'm not coming back. That guy goes too long. He just talks, talks, talks. My motive, I know in my heart, was I was more concerned about how you thought of me and what Jesus was telling me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This week was a hard week for me. I struggled with my message. And it wasn't because I didn't know what I wanted to say. It's because I was going through thoughts of failure. I can't do this. I can't say it right. I'm not going to get my point across. People aren't going to understand me. I'm not good enough. You ever, you ever been there? <laughs> am I alone? Am I standing, sitting up here all by myself? Okay, thanks. <laughs> I am sitting up here by myself, but... There's a struggle, and I live in my insecurities, and I have to surrender that to God. I share this not because I need any of you to come up afterwards and say to give me encouraging words or, or assurance. I'm not beating myself up. This week, I, was, I sat down with the Lord and in his presence, and we talked. No, actually, he talked to me. I share this because as a pastor, I want you to know that I struggle just like you. I have my moments. I get discouraged. I get depressed. I get angry. I fall. I live out of my weaknesses instead of his strengths. And I don't want to be up here and present a cup that looks good on the outside. And all the while you think that it's good on the inside. Because sometimes it ain't. Sometimes it's hard. And I know it is for you. So, where do we go? I believe that part of the helps in my life is to be honest, is to stop pretending and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I believe that confession is good for the soul. It is. The, the practice, the spiritual practice of, of confession is good. And confession, confession is what Jesus has directed us to. Ralph, today, there you are, Ralph, today you, you, you led us in the Lord's prayer. And that part in there is it says, Lord, forgive my sins. 
forgive my sins. Jesus directs us to pray. Psalm 139, David says, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and, my, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Practicing regularly confession is important. Uh, I will fly through here. Um, two more slides. Well, three more slides and I'm done, okay? Uh, this, what stops us? I think what stops us sometimes is that we're not honest before God and you're not honest before yourself. I think secondly is that there's a fear of loss, loss of habit, loss of, loss of a grudge. I mean, if you, if you have to forgive somebody that you don't want to because they don't deserve it, okay? Loss of pride, loss of control, loss of relationship. If you confess and somebody finds out, maybe they're not going to like you. Why else don't we, don't we confess? We struggle with, our, with my identity. What others may think. Shame. My image will be blown. There's a fear of the unknown. We have lived so long with this sin that we're afraid that if we give it up, we don't know how to live without it. We don't want to give up our lifestyle. We know God has been tapping on our heart. God has been saying, you need to give this up. And we don't want to give it up because we know if we do, we're going to have to give up a lifestyle. Last addiction. We have asked for forgiveness so many times that we're embarrassed to ask again, and we wonder what's the use? What is the use? So, um, what, I, what I want to see us do is this. I want us to practice confession. To practice confession. Last week, I said I wanted to pra- for us to practice times of silence. Anybody do that? Anybody Spend some time in silence. Okay, a few of you. I just want to encourage you to do it. Just to sit before the Lord quietly in silence, in his presence. But I also want to encourage you to practice confession. Giving time to God to reveal your sins. We get so much in a hurry and so busy that, that we, we, we don't sit with God enough to hear him. And then when you get into practices, I want to tell you that what happens is, is that all of a sudden, God will point something out right away. You said something, you did something, and you will confess, not just at the end of the day, but you'll be confessing throughout the day, and that is good. Take responsibility for your actions, your attitudes, your words, naming your sins, the wrongs you have committed. Here is what you, you might actually want to write them out. And then write 1 John 1, 9 across it once you confess it. Accept that you have been set free from the shame, unworthiness, and indebtedness that accumulates whenever we make foolish, selfish, and harmful choices. This is so important. This is all on a piece of paper, by the way. You can get that in the back. Ask God to reveal anyone whom you may have offended that you may need to be asked, you need to ask for forgiveness. Invite, oh, I'm ahead, aren't I? Here we go. Invite God's healing presence and his transforming power in, into our acknowledged areas of imperfection, struggles, and weakness. You know, when I sit with the Lord and I'm, I'm, I'm allowing him to examine my heart, I do. I want to say, Lord, I invite your healing presence, your transforming powers into these areas of my imperfections, my struggle, and my weakness. Do you think he's going to hold that back? No, he's not. Josh, buddy, I can't go that far because I'll be out of the, but 
you know, if, if you said to your mom, mom, I want a whole rack of Snickers. She going to give you a whole rack of Snickers? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> when we, because, because mom knows that a whole rack of Snickers is not going to be good for you. A whole case is not going to be good for you, right? But if you ask your mom for a case of apples, she's probably going to just, she'll probably, she'll, she'll saddle up. She'll, she'll give you a case of apples, right? She knows it's good for you. When we come to the Lord and we, in his presence, we acknowledge this and we put it before him. He says, Lord, I need healing. I need healing. God's going to bring that healing to us. And last is, be open to God's healing to reach out to someone else, a trusted friend whom you may, you may need to verbally confess your sins. To, ex- to express these sins is to bring them into the light. It provides an opportunity for someone to support you, to stand with you, and to provide accountability. And you know what may need to happen as well? You may need to seek professional counseling. Sometimes we need that. I've gone. I've sat. I have learned. I have healed. Okay. I have, again, gone too long. I don't apologize. All right? <laughs> I want to say thank you that you have been, you've listened. You've allowed me to be vulnerable before you. I hope as a church that we will find ourselves that way.